You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Asbury. Thank you for that. Whoever appreciate those words of welcome. <laughs> Friends, it's good to be back with you this morning. I want to say thank you for being here. And uh, thank you for being a part of, of this week. Um, you may remember we started Monday, and the theme for the week is abide and go. And when we, t- we talked about, we began with just this idea is you can't separate abiding in the life of God from this missional orientation, his heart for the world. To abide in him is to go. And uh, we began kind of exploring those themes on Monday. I want to pick that back up this morning and, uh, and kind of begin to pick back up those threads. But before we do, let me just go back. I'd like to go back to our scripture. And I'd like you to hear it. And hear it, if you will, with a fresh and open heart. It goes like this. It's a true story. It, goes from God, it comes from God's word. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch, in me, every branch that does not bear fruit is cut off. But every branch that does bear fruit is pruned so that it may bear more fruit. You are already pruned and purified because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not abide in me is cut off and withers like a branch. These are gathered up into a pile to be burned. But if you abide in me and my word abides in you, Ask whatever it is, and it will be given to you. For so you will glorify my Father, and you will bear much fruit, demonstrating that you are my disciples. As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you obey my commands, You will abide in my love just as I obey my Father's commands and abide in his love. I tell you these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy may be full. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. For there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for your friends. And you are my friends, if you do what I command you. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends, for I have made known to you that which the Father has revealed to me. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit that will abide so that whatever you ask my Father in my name, he will grant to you. And this is my commandment, that you love one another. 
Men and women, you remember we, we started on Monday talking about John 15 opens up and where Jesus puts us right back in the garden. And he kind of invites his disciples to remember the full purposes of God started with an incredible intimacy, a garden-like intimacy between God and mankind. And then from there, we began to realize, oh, Jesus is very interested in fruitfulness. He's looking for lives that will bear much fruit. And we talked about how the secret to bearing fruit is a life that abides. And what is abiding? Abiding is just being open. God has opened up his heart to the likes of you and I, and now he's inviting us to make some space for him. So that brings us to this morning. You say, Billy, I'm curious. How do I abide? You talked about receiving the love of God on Monday. How do I abide, though? I want to not just receive at one time. I want to live in the love of God. I'm so glad you ask. That's such a great question. And I love it because Jesus apparently intuited your question because he goes right on. Did you catch it? Is he says, I want to tell you the secret to a fruitful life is abiding. And the secret to abiding is obeying my commands. Did you hear that? If you abide in me, if you, um, if you obey my commands, you will abide in my love. And suddenly Jesus is connecting abiding, the life that abides with obedience. And right away, for most of us, there's some dissonance that takes place. We say, whoa, 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 abiding, I'm interested. Receiving the love of God, sign me up. Obedience, not so much. And it gets even more crazy because then Jesus goes to the very next verse. Jesus says, now I want, I'm telling you these things so that my joy can be in you and your joy can be full. You think, no, 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 Jesus, there's a misunderstanding. <laughs> Abiding, yes. Obedience, no. Joy, yes. Obedience, No. They don't go together. You can't have an obey, obedient life and a joyful life. Obedience is when someone else tells me what to do. A joy-filled life is when I get to do whatever I want. And I wonder if Jesus wants to speak to that. Because I think ultimately what we're talking about is an issue of authority. It's an issue of authority. You say, Billy, what do you mean by that? The question is, who is the ultimate authority in your life and mine? And I wonder if the secret, or let me say at the heart for many of us, the reason that we don't like obedience or the reason obedience kind of makes us restless, a little nervous, is because the truth is we don't feel safe with God. And I wonder if we could peel this back a little bit and begin to recognize what is the relationship between obedience and joy I wonder if the relationship between the two hinges on the level of safety that we feel in the relationship. If I don't feel safe with you, it's going to be very hard for me to find joy in our relationship. If you and I don't feel safe with Jesus, it's going to be very hard for us to be willing to obey him. You say, Billy, what do you mean by that? I don't trust him. I don't trust his commands. So I may do it, but I don't want to do it. I'm certainly not going to be joyful about it. 
but I wonder if Jesus isn't going right after that. And he says, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. You don't know the Father the way that I do. Billy, Asbury, I, God has made a space in himself for me. And now I'm making a space within myself for you. And I, as I am safe in God, the Father, so you are safe in me. And because I'm safe in the Father's love, then there's a freedom to do what he asks me to do because his commands are good. His instructions are for my good and for the good of those around me. I want to just suggest to you this morning that Jesus is a safe place for you and I. Jesus is a safe place for you and I. Now this gets real tricky real fast, this side of Genesis 3. Because you can say, Billy, I, I don't actually believe that because the truth is, I know for a fact they crucified Jesus. That sure doesn't feel safe at all. And yet, do you remember what Hebrews says? Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Apparently, Hebrews felt like Jesus' obedience to the Father. There was a joy even in the midst of the pain and suffering. Not because it felt good. Not because he wanted to endure the difficulty. Not because the suffering was somehow something that was pleasurable. No, don't misunderstand me. But there was an intimacy. There was a safety in the heart of God that Jesus knew he belonged to the Father and the Father belonged to him. And men and women, I want to suggest to you that kind of intimacy, that kind of safety is available to the likes of you and I so that no matter what hell I go through, I belong to him and he belongs to me. Now, men and women, I would suggest to you Life's hard, and you're going to go through hell whether you like it or not. My recommendation and my experience has been when I choose to walk through hell with Jesus, he makes all the difference. You can do it alone, or you can do it with him. You say, well, Billy, I'm interested in the fruitfulness. You're talking about abiding and obedience, and I want to go there with you on the safety thing. But what does that look like? How do I obey? What is he telling me to do? Did you hear it? Is he said, love one another. And I, I don't think this is just kind of the thing. It's like, oh, good, <laughs> love one another. And these are my friends, my roommates, maybe my, my parents, my siblings some days. It's like, yeah, sure, I love these ones, one, the ones that I'm close to. Yes, yes. I think Jesus gives us those ones close to us so that we can practice but it would be faulty theology to interpret love one another as just those who are closest to us. Because do you remember John 3? For God so loved who? Americans. Is that how it reads? For God so loved me and mine? No. Oh my, no. For God so loved the world. The world is on God's heart. Love one another. Implicit in that is the others outside 
of my immediate sphere, those that I may not know yet, those that he is sending and calling me to. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I love them? And this is where we get to the heart of what Mission Conference is all about. Love one another as I have loved you. Remember what Joanna reminded us of on Monday? How did Jesus, how did Jesus demonstrate his love in chapter 13? He gets down and starts washing their feet. How did Jesus demonstrate his love later in the book? As he gave his life away for them. The invitation, the invitation this week is ultimately it takes the shape, the form of a cross. It's cruciform, we could say. It's cruciform. Jesus says, would you be willing to abide in my life? Let my, me live my life through you and then in joyful obedience, trusting that I am safe, a safe place to you. Would you be willing to love the world around you in the same way that I did? Would you lay down your life for someone else, for someone's else? And men and women, I just want to ask you this morning, who is God putting on your heart? Where does he want to send you? Is there a person, an individual that you know? God says, would you be willing to go and love them well? Now, Jesus, anybody but that one. Please, anyone but that one. And Jesus says, as I have loved you, could you love that one? There's a stirring in your heart for a part of the world. Maybe you've been, maybe you never have. And you can't explain it, but it keeps showing up. And there's something stirring there that says, oh, Jesus, please don't call me there. Or Jesus, I'm curious. There's a growing interest in me. And Jesus says, would you be willing to go and pour out your life for that part of the, that corner of the vineyard so that those people could experience me and know something of my life? I remember my granddad one time saying, as he says, the salvation of another person always lies in someone else. I think that's a, such a funny statement. But as I've thought about it more, if you think about it, I'm not here because of me, but because of other people. You're not here because of you, but because of other people. And if we take that out, it could be that there are people there that aren't going to meet Jesus unless the likes of you and I are willing to say, I want to be a part of what God's doing to reach the world. But then notice the intimacy because there's a shift here. You and I say, oh, I can't bear a cross. How could I do that? How do I go and give myself away? And he says, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't do this alone. And again, it's almost like he calls them in real close. Listen up here. And he starts talking about friendship. And there's this intimacy in the conversation. Did you catch it? He says, you're not my servants. You're not my minions. You're my friends, my friends. I mean, the imagery, it's, I think of L-O-T-R and the fellowship, the coming together of these ones that have a common quest. And it's like Jesus is looking for people who would be willing to fellowship with him. 
And it's interesting, it's like he right away says, there's no secrets here. Friends share their hearts. The Father has shared his heart with me, and now I want to share my heart with you. Men and women, are you friends with Jesus this morning? Because I want to suggest to you, we'll make lousy missionaries if there's not a deep, intimate friendship between Jesus and the likes of you and me. And I wonder if we go, as we enter into those friendships, into those friendships with him, if there, he can begin to share his heart with us. And if that is what he is ultimately looking for, he's looking for men and women with whom he can share the burden of the world with. You say, Billy, what do you mean? The people on your heart are on God's heart. And they were on God's heart first. And I wonder if in some ways he may be inviting us not to take something on for him, but to join him in what he's already doing. Do you remember the story of Amy Carmichael? She was a missionary to India. And the burden on her heart was trafficked children. And it was a bad situation. And they were meeting obstacles and hindrances and roadblocks, and they weren't making much progress. But the growing burden was how do we rescue these kids? What can we do to deliver them? And it seemed like there was very little progress and no open doors. She writes in one of her books about the burden growing so heavy for these kids and what they could do to try and rescue them from evil. And one night it was like God gave her a vision. And in India, they have the, what they call these tamarind trees, out, and they were outside her house. And she said it was as if the tamarind trees turned to olive trees. And suddenly I was conscious that Jesus was kneeling underneath the olive trees and he was weeping and he was crying for those kids. And I thought, well, what's he doing crying for the kids? And slowly I began to realize that his heart was breaking for the kids just like mine. Only the more I watched, the more I began to realize Oh, it's not my burden, and he's coming to join me. It's his burden, and he's inviting me to join him. She said, the only thing I could do was to go and kneel beside Jesus and enter into the burden to try and see those kids set free. Men and women, I want to ask you this morning, where is God calling you? Is there a tree in your heart? And if you quiet your heart enough, you know Jesus is kneeling there. And there's someone, there's some place, there's some group of people that he's carrying. And you sense in your spirit he's inviting you to come and kneel beside him and to share that burden. I think the invitation for us is, are we willing to go and kneel and allow him to bear fruit out of our joining him in bearing the world? I'm going to invite Joanna to come up and just share a little bit of our story of what bearing has looked like. When Billy and I were sitting here in the sophomore section, 
um, at Asbury, there was a missions conference at the Wilmore United Methodist Church. And a good family friend of the Coppages was speaking there. And so Billy went. And because Billy went, I went. And I was not expecting to hear from Jesus that night. I was just hoping Billy would notice me. So I was sitting near him. And um, as the lady shared, she, um, she embodied not what I was hoping for. She, she was single. She had been in very hard places and endured a lot of hardship. Um, she um, was not my dream or goal or desire for my life at that point. And Jesus said, are you willing? Are you willing to go? He spoke to my heart that night so clearly. And if you have time, any point this semester, I can take you to the spot at the altar in the United Methodist Church in town where Jesus met me. I didn't have grace and courage to say yes, but I had grace and courage to go forward. And then by his Holy Spirit, he met me that night. And I said, yes, I will go wherever you want me to go alone. If Billy is not part of that situation, whatever that looks like. But yes, I will go where you ask me to go. And that yes led me to another point when I was sitting in this section in Hughes, and Jesus um, invited me to be in Uganda for the summer. And for, for a couple weeks, actually, it was a very short trip. I was sending out volunteers, um, recruiting and sending out students to serve um, throughout the summer. And I had the, the opportunity to be in Uganda for a couple of weeks and learn culture and just be there. And Billy was living in South Africa at the time and serving there, and so he came up, we were still dating, he came up and um, I was expecting to see him at the airport and he wasn't there, so disappointed. But he was already out at a pastoral training. And I heard a story that night, my first night in country, um, from a friend of mine, and she just shared, there's a man who's come from Sudan, it's now South Sudan, but he's come down to Kampala because he met Jesus. He became friends with Jesus. He said yes to him. And now, because he's abiding, he's so eager to go. He wants to know how to share Jesus with his friends, with his family, with his tribe, with those around him. And he heard that we're training and discipling pastors here. So he's come down and said, can you train me? Can you teach me? I want to walk with Jesus. I want to be a pastor, a missionary for him. And I was so excited listening to the story. I was like, great, so what are we gonna do? Like, who's helping him? And she was like, Joanna, we're, we're two missionary families, and we're training and discipling over 100 families here in Uganda. We made provision for him to get home, and we, we prayed with him. We, we can't go to Sudan right now. And my heart just broke. And I think that was a bit of the heart of God breaking for people who haven't heard who don't have the opportunity to be trained, who don't have the opportunity to sit in such a place or to sit in the lecture halls you sit in and hear the truth. So I, as my heart was breaking, I went on through my day and that landed me in a Bible study um, at a local church at Kisugu. Some of you know Kampala. I was in Kisugu that night. And um, heard this, um, the, the text that they were just going through is Genesis 12. And so as I'm hearing, um, the pastor talk about leaving your family, your country, and your father's house to a land that I will show you. In my ears, the text was incredibly present tense to this land that I'm showing you. And I knew that I knew that I needed to respond to that interest and excitement in Felix's heart, the Sudanese man, and I was to come back. And the catch was that Billy and I were still dating and he wasn't quite sure where God was leading him. And, and I, I didn't know what that would look like, but I knew that Jesus had said, I, I will lead you if, if you will keep following. And I knew I had to lay down Billy. I knew that had to be a death in my own life. 
And so I prepared to break up with him because I was called here and I knew it. And so I met him in the village the next day. I'd flown three continents to be with the guy and I walked up to him and said, I have to break up with you. He was like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, and I just wept and wept and told him the story about this guy and how God was calling me and I knew that we were supposed, I was supposed to come back. And he was like, Joanna, that is not a story from where, whenever you think that happened. That happened like two days ago and I was here. I met Felix and God is calling us to come back and to train pastors and to share the gospel here in this place. And so by the grace of Jesus, I got to say yes again to him, but also to go forward back to Uganda. Part of that involved more training. So, so Billy and I were in seminary, we were in our last semester of seminary when an Asbury alumni came and shared about his ministry in China. And he shared about pastors who were persecuted in ways that I could not imagine was real. And, and Billy and I sat, literally I think with plane tickets in our pockets for Uganda to train pastors hearing of pastors being persecuted. They had shared the gospel and then they were imprisoned and tortured and literally were electrocuted in their mouths for speaking the name of Jesus. And I went up to my friend after he was finished sharing and I called him by name and just said, I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. God has called us to go and we have said yes, but I cannot handle this. And he so lovingly said to me, Joanna, what is God asking of you today? I'm, I'm to go to Uganda, we're to finish raising support and go forward. And he said, great. That involves about this much grace. Guess how much God, grace God is giving you for today? About this much. He said, my friends are walking through a season where they need a whole lot more grace. And he said, you know what? God's providing it. And when that day comes for you, as you keep saying yes and walking in fellowship and friendship with Jesus, he'll give you this much grace when you need it. But for today, just say yes to getting on that plane and going forward. And you know what, the only way Billy and I were able to say yes that day is because when I was 13, Billy was 17, Jesus met us at an altar in two different places, two different states, we didn't know one another but we were both at crisis points in our lives. And Jesus said, will you give all of yourself to me and let me write your story? Let me be Lord of your life. Are you in charge of who you marry, where you go, what you study, who you become? Or he lovingly said, could I be? I would like to be Lord and love of all of your life. And then you're not responsible for all of that. I will carry you. And I have to tell you, 30 years later, his track record is so good. He has never failed us yet. And for each day, there has been grace for the day. There has been his presence for today. And you have to think halfway through missions conference, oh, I'd really like grace for the rest of the week. At this point in the semester, Jesus, would you give me all I need to get through? Could you please tell me what's next? What's the next chapter of my story with you? I'm walking with you. I trust you. Where, where are the tamarind trees? What is the place you have for me? Please just tell me all the things and I'll say yes, right? And Jesus says, oh, but would you trust me? I'm a safe place. I don't always write it all out before, but he is on time. He tells us in the right moment 
what we need to hear, but that involves us being open and listening. We have a decision to make. We don't just say, yes, I love him, I've said yes to him, so he's gonna have to just do it. He asks us to join him. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. It's a relationship. Relationships don't work unless both parties are fully engaged. And this morning, Jesus is inviting us, Asbury, into a deeper love relationship with himself. And for some of you, that's a first time yes to him. Maybe you haven't turned your face to him ever and said, yes, Jesus, I wanna, I wanna follow you. I wanna be your friend. I desire friendship with you. For some of you, maybe you did that years ago. Maybe you did that last semester. Maybe you did that at Set Apart. And Jesus is saying, oh, but would you give me all of yourself? so that I can pour all of my Holy Spirit, all of my life into you, so that you don't have to live on your own this next chapter. All of you for all of Jesus. And for some of you this morning, he may just be saying, this is the place. This is the place I wanna put on your heart. Are you brave and courageous enough to join me here in prayer for that part of the world? And as the band comes, we just wanna challenge you, please don't leave chapel today until you said yes. You don't have to write the story. You don't have to say what comes next. You don't have to do it. You just, as he invites, come and follow me. You say yes. That's our part. That's our only part. But because that altar space is there from when we were young and when I was here in college, then there, I, there's a marker. So when life gets hard, when life gets really impossible, when the, when, the, when the traumas do come and the persecutions do come, and they will, we won't lie to you, they will, but there's a space to say, no, I said yes to him and he met me. He is enough. Will you trust him this morning? Please come as you trust him.